0: there is truly a niche and corner of the internet for every single interest ever i believe that the opposite
1: of depression it's not happiness it's purpose i believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world and that's why i wanted to create a show called don't keep your day job don't keep your day job is about Figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute that you get to do what you love full time because it's not just about business it's about contribution it's about meaning that is what we seek that is what we truly want and you absolutely are here to serve the world and i want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to Fiverr
2: for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Fiverr's online marketplace connects businesses with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services like graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing, and more. Get 10% off by going to fiverr.com and use code DREAMJOB. Also, thanks to Glossier. You probably know Glossier for their skincare products and for popularizing the glowy, dewy skin look. Glossier also creates makeup products body care products, and fragrance. For a limited time, new customers can get 10% off your first order by visiting Glossier.com slash podcast slash dream job. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. You know what the issue is with this world? Everyone wants a magical solution to their problem and everyone refuses to believe in magic. That's a quote from Alice in Wonderland. And I was watching Jingle Jangle this weekend. Did you guys see it? It's such a beautiful movie and it has this same overarching message of if you believe it, there it is. And I think that what's happened is we've just been conditioned to believe that if something is going to happen, it's going to happen because it takes a lot of work or because we have to fight or hustle to make it happen when maybe truly the magic is fully and truly knowing the truth of who you are and claiming it and opening your heart and believing with all your might that this thing that is whispering to you is already yours and that this prayer is already answered and on its way. And when you step into that frequency, you start to be inspired like oh, I think I know what I'm going to do today. Or I think I'm going to post this thing or say this thing or write this thing. And all the inspired action comes and everything is like being drawn right to you. And so I think we do need to get that we can only have that which we fully believe we can have. I remember when Jessica Huey was here, she said, the greatest obstacle between where you are and where you want to be is your own belief in how possible it is. So just think about it. Like, Next time you hear yourself talking about something you're trying to do or something you want to do, just ask yourself, like, get quiet and say, how much do I really believe in this possibility? And then remember that it's a decision to believe it. It's a decision to believe that this is going to happen and that this is already happened and that you can just step into the truth of who you are. Okay. So with that, today is the last day to come and join the arrive membership for $1. Today is Cyber Monday and that $1 deal will end tonight at midnight. You guys, I am telling you, this is a absolute steal. This is normally a $97 a month membership. You can cancel it anytime. That's true, true, true. But you will get a full month if you sign up today for $1. You will get coaching from me. You will get to be a part of the coaching with our guest expert, Sherry Salada. We have a guest expert every month. You will get to have co-working sessions with my amazing mentors and you'll be put in an accountability group and you will stop feeling that this dream is so far away and you will start to just take your seat at the table. And that's why I call it arrive. It's about arriving home to your own door. It's about coming home to yourself, arriving at that Place that feels like this is me. I've finally arrived. I'm in the alignment with myself. Come join us. You can go to kathyhello.com slash arrive community. I will be in there this week saying hello and doing some coaching. And then next week, I will be in there with our amazing guest expert, Sherry Salata. And then we have amazing guest experts coming up the next few months. Heather Chauvin, Jennifer Alwood, Allison Bird. It's going to be awesome. Come and join us. It's $1. No good excuse to miss it kathyhellercom slash arrived community. I would love to see you and get to talk to you more in there and to start to see you rise into exactly who you were made to be. Okay. We have an awesome guest today. Her name is Lauren Riomacki. Some of you may have seen her videos on YouTube where her Lord DIY channel has almost 9 million subscribers. She's also the host and executive producer of Craftopia on HBO Max. She's an entrepreneur, premier DIY internet influencer and podcaster. And can you believe she's not even 30 years old yet? It's Truly insane. She's also a licensing powerhouse with a multi-million dollar licensing business that expands across crafting kits, loungewear, onesies, pet toys, and she's collaborated with huge stores like Target and Walmart. Recently, she started her podcast, Wild Till Nine, with her boyfriend, Jeremy. It's all about relationships, the struggles of figuring out adulthood, and the taboo topics we don't give ourselves permission to talk about. It's a fun show. You definitely might want to check it out. And if you have HBO Max, her show Craftopia is a must-see. It's a craft competition show that's so delightful and full of color and creativity. I think you guys would especially appreciate it. Lauren is so wise beyond her years. She has a lot of great insights on building a whole world online, and it's awesome to see someone who is basically an internet celebrity embracing growth and change in who they are. Without further ado, please welcome the amazing Lauren Riomacki. Lauren, hello. <laughs> You're stunning. And it's not just what you look like. It's like everything you touch turns to like Care Bear land, gorgeous rainbow unicorns. I don't get it.
0: That like literally might be the nicest thing
2: anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> yes, that was my goal. Yes! <laughs> achieved, achieved. Love it. I'm mesmerized by the world that you create it's so magical I love it and it's not just magical in what it looks like or what it feels like but then what it's actually done how that's translated is not a normal thing and it's insane what you have built so I want to know how it started I want you to take
0: me back to your bedroom or wherever you were how did it start So I'm Canadian, so I was in Toronto for university, and I had kind of gotten roped into a program that wasn't necessarily the right fit for me. I had gone into it thinking it was going to be much more creative than it really was, and eventually I was just desperate for some kind of creative outlet and i actually started a blog first i feel like 9 years ago and like prior to that blogs were like the number one thing like that's where like everyone was it was the influencers were the bloggers and so i started a blog first and was just like i just want to make stuff like i just want to i just need to be creative i need to do something with like this creative energy that i feel like is not being fulfilled in school and just use it to channel the energy somewhere else and eventually it transitioned over to making video tutorials, mostly for the sake of being able to walk someone through what I was doing easier than in, through photos and like little text blurbs. So I didn't ever go into YouTube being like, I wanna be a YouTuber. Like it's so interesting you speak to like the youth of today. And one of the number one jobs is that kids wanna be as a YouTuber, where that was just like absolutely not. Didn't exist. Totally. It's nine totally. years ago. And I'm actually super thankful for, I mean, so many reasons, obviously. Um, But one of the main things is, like, people know that you can make money off of YouTube. And a lot of people go into it for the wrong reasons. And so I think it was um, a major blessing for me to go into it with just, like, the full purpose of creating and that's it.
2: Yeah. And you released, you released this need for some ROI immediately, but that's where all the magic is, right? That's where all the magic, cause you're coming from your heart and you're playing, right? You're just in the spontaneity of it. So what were those first video tutorials about?
0: Oh my God. The very first one was actually a no heat curls, DIY hair tutorial like how to do it at home do it yourself and then there was a few like t-shirt reconstruction DIYs but yeah I just like I was literally recording on a stack of books with the camera of my laptop in what would have been 2011 12 whatever year it would have been but I mean the, the camera quality then versus now is just you know worlds apart like you can be a youtuber just on your iPhone for sure. It's not like that nine years ago. But uh, yeah, first few videos, you know, from day one have very much been lifestyle and DIY.
2: And so what started to happen? Where did you start to see people kind of like surprising you and starting to watch stuff or share stuff? What started to take hold?
0: I mean, I think having any viewer of any capacity is very surprising. (laughs) You mean like, you're like, oh my God, someone is watching this. That's not my parents. And like immediately that they've shared it on Facebook too. (laughs) So it's like, you're flattered no matter who it is that that your audience is. And you know what? I never actually had any kind of crazy viral video a lot of youtubers like at the beginning of their journey will have one video that kind of skyrockets and it puts their content in front of a ton of new eyes and a new audience and that's kind of like the the turning point of their career I was kind of just like a steady uphill growth, which was nice. I think in the content that I was making, people were searching for it actively. And so that's how people were discovering my content. But yeah, it was it was a lot of people being like, oh, I am so excited to like recreate this. They'd send me photos of it. And it was kind of just like a little bit of a maker's movement of people wanting to make, you know, affordable room decor and cut up a t-shirt and all the things that I was doing nine years ago. So cool.
2: So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, I do want to be a YouTuber because that now very much is a thing. (laughs) Totally. What's your advice for having a successful channel? Because yours is probably in the top 1% of 1% of how successful it can be. So what do you think?
0: I mean, here's the thing is that I think that there are so many options on social media and the internet to have a career. And so I think because YouTube is so crazy popular, it can be uh, in turn oversaturated. And so I think it's just being realistic about um, not putting all of your eggs in one basket and just being like, I'm a YouTuber and a YouTuber only. You know, TikTok, I'm sure, as you know, like has just absolutely blown up. And the influencers that have come directly off of TikTok are some of the biggest um, in like the social media forefront right now. And so- I think it's choosing a platform that makes sense for you um, while still creating content for um, a multitude of the different options that you have on social media. So it's not just being like, I'm gonna be a TikToker. I'm gonna be a YouTuber an Instagrammer. And it's creating a brand for yourself and putting it out across all of the platforms that make sense. Like Pinterest obviously is huge for DIY and lifestyle and like the makers movement. And uh, I think it's just understanding where your audience is consuming their content as well.
2: Yeah, such a good point. It's kind of like look around and see what else is there. But let me ask you this. So let's talk two aspects here. There's the energetic, the resonance, the vibe of a human. And then there's like the strategy, right? Like, you know, the hashtags you use and the keywords and all of that. Let's talk about the energetic first. Okay. What do you feel you've been doing to call in your future? What practice do you have to get yourself in that state?
0: I think the biggest shift in my content um, over the last year has just being completely authentic. I had an audience that I found to be a little bit younger, maybe like four or five years ago. And so I would censor out a lot of the things that were organically happening in my life, you know, being at that time, 23, 24 It was not realistic, kind of the show that I was putting on. And I think when you're delivering something that's not authentic, it's more exhausting than when you're just being yourself. So like something like vlogging in a day-to-day basis now is so much easier when I'm just showing exactly what is going on. Like there's no filter, there's no sensor. And it's just like, you're getting what you're getting. And it's what everyone in like, quote unquote, the real world would also be getting as well. Yeah,
2: that makes a lot of sense. It's definitely exhausting to have to pretend.
0: Oh, for sure. it's and, and you're not doing anyone a favor. You end up more tired. So it's like, it's a lose-lose scenario for sure.
2: Yeah. I want to go back to what would be next in line if somebody says, all right, I'm going to choose a platform and you just opened up the doors to be like, look, it could be anything, right? So now you do it. It's a podcast. It's a YouTube channel. It's a blog. It's a vlog, whatever it is. What do you think makes the people feel connected to you? What do you think that the great content creators are doing to really create an engagement with their audience?
0: I think it's different for every viewer, you know, there's different reasons, like, you know, I'm I'm sure some people only watch my content for my cute-ass dog, like, you know, (laughs) maybe it's just that. Or I've spoken openly about uh, different struggles with mental health, so maybe it's that. I've done a lot of, like, different girl talk videos of being super candid about anything from, like, puberty to sex and to growing up. And so I think it's for a viewer finding, whether it be one thing or a multitude of things that they really connect with and it resonates and they enjoy the energy or they're taking something away from it, whether it be constructive or just positive energy overall. I think it's just finding something that they relate to and it makes them feel a certain type of way that is positive and they want to keep coming back to it.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And when you were seeing the amount of people in your audience grow and grow and grow, what were you learning from them that they wanted that you kept doing more of? Was it how you titled things? Was it engaging them to comment? Was it asking them a question? Was it the certain kind of content and noticing what they liked and continuing to drill down on that? What do you think it was?
0: I mean, I think everything you just listed are, are great. That's like social media influencer 101 right there. You <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> um, so I think it's a combination of all of that. I, I think the biggest thing is just listening to your audience and having as much of an open and two-way conversation as possible. I mean, a lot of older viewers grow up you know, watching TV and that's just content coming at you. Like there's no response there. And I think on like the digital side of things, it's something where you can literally message any single one of your viewers at any time and it might not be an immediate response but you can literally be like what did you hate about this and what did you love about it and so i think it is such a valuable tool to be listening to exactly what your viewers want and i think there's so many different um tools on social media right now too like instagram being able to do polls and like questions and have people submit um whatever they want to say like there's just so many different venues for direct feedback and I think it's being able to you know filter out the ones that you see the most common and finding ways to fit that into your content that still makes sense obviously for you as a person and a brand it's not going to like suck your soul but yeah it literally is like you can be like did you like this? Yes or no? And why? You know, people and brands pay millions and thousands of dollars for their test groups to like give them feedback. And we have the luxury of having that for free at our fingertips 24
2: seven. 100%. And so early on, and as you continue to kind of move into this, How often were you polling people? How often were you asking them? And what were some of the the ways that you did it? What were some of the questions you asked? What were some of the ways you asked it? And how often did you ask those questions?
0: Um, I think in every video, there was some kind of ask for feedback, whether it be just something small, like, oh, do you guys like the new background? You know what I mean? Or what do you guys want to see next week? Or if you bought a whole bunch of stuff, you're like, oh, do you want to see a haul of all of this and like where things came from? Do you want to see it be tried on? I think when you're creating content by yourself as well. It's really great to lean onto questions within the conversation because even though, again, like they can't respond immediately, it might be within a 24-hour window that someone can give you that answer and it makes it, again, feel like a two-way conversation. So I think YouTube just like direct questions to answer in the comments um, and responding and having, you know, open dialogue there. Instagram, if you were to post a photo and put a question as the caption, I think is really helpful. I think there's, you know, pros and cons and there's time for each type of question to either be like anonymous or um, kind of like an open forum, like a comment section where other people can see what also is popular and they're like, oh, I didn't think of that, but I also love that idea. And they can, you know, like it, thumbs up it, whatever it might be. And I think now just there's so many platforms, like community is massive. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's like a direct phone number that you are able to publicly share and have conversations with anyone in uh, North America that wants to text you. And so it's such a intimate conversation that you can have with, again, literally anyone.
2: Amazing. So let me ask you this. What surprised you about the feedback? What did you notice that you started to do differently as a response Mm -hmm. to what they were telling you they needed that maybe you didn't know out the gate?
0: I mean, the first three years, maybe even more than that, honestly, I would edit out all of the bloopers and That's the funniest part. Like, that's the best part. That's the part that people, you know, crack a smile at that they're like, they're like, oh, this person is a real person. They're a robot. Like there's one video and I think it's probably still up where it is so precisely edited that like every hesitated breath I had edited it out and I remember the comments were all just like, she didn't blink once. And that's how edited down it was, is that it was just like, and it was, it's just so robotic. And I thought that like the content had to be perfect. And because you have the opportunity to spend as much time as you want in Final Cut or Premiere Pro, editing it down and color correcting and making sure that the volumes are perfect. It's like, I got so caught up in making it like a perfect presentation that I sucked all the personality out of it. And it was so surprising to me that people wanted to see me mess up. Like that just, it feels so backwards, right? Cause it's like in school, especially like you're taught to, you know, when you practice a speech to do it perfectly. I played um, piano and guitar growing up. And when you do a performance, like you practice it until you do it perfectly. And so like, I had just, my brain had been wired like that. And it was a lot of unlearning for me
2: So cool. And that's such a great example of like what surprised you and then they loved it. Right. Turns out they love seeing you be human. Right. And not having a perfect video.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it's just so interesting to see the shift of just like traditional celebrities and how people think about them. And it's like, you know, they feel so detached from being accessible And you only see them on red carpets and in movie Mm -hmm. theaters on the big screen. But with social media influencers, we are very real people. Not that, you know, traditional celebrities and movie stars are not real people, but they build their careers off delivering performances, you know, that are incredible, but it's being someone else. And we build our careers on, you know, for the most part, being ourselves.
2: Yeah, we Matthew McConaughey was our guest and at the end he said something so beautiful it was like a prayer. It was like a call for help in a way. He was like I don't want to act like myself anymore. I want to be myself. Right. You know? Right. And it's like you think to yourself, well, he's like the luckiest guy ever and then it's like he's trying to now like free himself from playing a part and he's looking at someone like you probably thinking like, "Oh, she just gets to like have this direct connection with humans." And it's her. It's not a script. It's not a persona. It's not a part she's playing. She gets to be herself. So it's like, why then would you rob yourself of that and try to be this perfect persona when you have the option to be yourself? Now, when you did that, you said the first three years you were like, that's what you said a couple of minutes ago, like the first three years. Did you start to see then when you let that go, that your views started to double and triple when you started to bring in more of the bloopers?
0: Direct correlation. Direct correlation.
2: I love yeah. that so much.
0: I think a big part of it is that, that like, you know, again, we're not wired to share all of our flaws like that. It feels unnatural. And I think there's an element of being scared to be vulnerable. And that's right. when people connect with you the most is when you're vulnerable.
2: That's right. I love this conversation. But before we keep going, let's just thank our sponsors. You probably know Glossier from their skincare products and for popularizing the glowy dewy skin look, but they also create makeup products, body care products, and fragrances that condense the best of beauty and are inspired by real routines from their community. Give or get Glossier U for $60 and pick up the bestselling bomb.com while you're at it to get the silky limited edition holiday G-Pal scarf for free. I've been using their award-winning fragrance called Glossier U. I love how it's layered with different scents like Iris root pink pepper, and Ambrose and musk it creates this really balanced creamy comforting warm fragrance that lasts pretty much all day long. They also have an amazing hand cream which is a fast absorbing nutrient-rich moisturizer for hands It's non greasy comes in a cute squeezable palm-sized pod and it's packed with antioxidants that sink right in so you can have happier nourished skin and best of all you can get this hand cream free with every order of seventy dollars or more get glossier you and the very festive limited edition G pal scarf by visiting glossier.com slash podcast slash for a limited time, new customers can get ten percent off your first order. Certain exclusions apply. That's glossier. dot com slash podcast slash dream job. The way we work together seemingly changed overnight and we all know that when it's time to adapt our business having access to the right resources is essential. Fiverr's online marketplace connects businesses with freelancers offering hundreds of digital services like graphic design, copywriting, web programming, film editing and more. There were a few times when I needed a Photoshop editor and our team didn't have the bandwidth to learn Photoshop and do that on our own, so we went on Fiverr and searched for someone who could do this for us. It was super easy. We were able to customize our search based on the deadline, price, reviews and we got a great freelancer who got the job done. She was really professional, such a joy to work with her. And since we knew how much it was going to cost up front, we didn't have to waste any time negotiating the price. So whether you're looking to grow your business or you just need some extra support to complete a project, Fiverr's global network of on-demand freelance talent is here to help. Plus, Fiverr has 24-7 customer service. You can reach out with your questions anytime, anywhere. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using my code DREAMJOB. Find all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Code DREAMJOB. Again, that's Fiverr.com code dream job. Okay. So let's talk about how did this start to become a thing where it wasn't just you making videos? It was you making like a truckload of money all of a sudden. (laughs) I think because honestly, people ask me this all the time because I was literally a girl sitting in my closet. And then I start this podcast and I start making multi seven figures and people are like, how did you do that? Do you do that from ads? I'm like, no, like ads is like a tiny part. Like, well, how do you do it? And, and I'm I think people want to understand and I think that they get discouraged because it's not as quick and easy or it's not the direct thing they think it is. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious for you, how did you start to monetize this and turn this into a career and not Mm -hmm. just a hobby? Where did it start to come from first?
0: The first stage of monetization on YouTube was the AdSense program. And so YouTube takes, I think it's 55% or 45 It's a 45, 55 spot, I can't remember. But, um, and you know what it is? It's just that it's fair. They're, they give you this incredible platform to use. So I'm like, take whatever you want. Yep. <laughs> Um, So AdSense was the first revenue stream for me, Mm -hmm. and eventually once um, I was getting a few thousand, a few hundred thousand views on every video, I was approached by a manager who I'm still working with now. We've been together for like seven years now. It's been a long time relationship. You can start doing brand deals, and I think most YouTubers and influencers would agree that brand deals is kind of like the biggest portion of the revenue and the income, You know, so endorsing products that you believe in, that you think organically fit into your content, that you are excited to share with your audience. And that, I think, it just takes things to a new level because you're able to do brand deals on Instagram. You can do brand deals on Twitter. You can do brand deals on YouTube, on TikTok, on the podcast, as you know, obviously. And that's such a big portion of it as well. And then there's a whole other side of merchandising and products and licensing, I will say that licensing was the most amount of effort with the least amount of monetary returns, but it's valuable because it's a brand builder. So at one point when we had a collaboration with Mattel, we did some DIY kits that were able to be in Target for three years. And that was just a massive milestone, although it's not, you know, uh, any kind of substantial monetary revenue. It's a really cool brand deal and milestone to be like, I, as a random craft girl from the internet, I'm able to create a product that can go on the shelves at Target. Yeah, and, and it
2: creates visibility like, and awareness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Visibility and potentially um, a new audience.
2: Exactly. So when someone's listening to this and they're like, I don't know if I'll ever get a thousand views, let alone 400,000, 4 million, 4 zillion, everything that you've been able to accomplish, what would be your guess as to how they maybe could potentially make this into a business for themselves? Mm-hmm. What would be your guess because right now especially during COVID and especially with the way that the workforce is changing and so many things are becoming automated and so many jobs are kind of kind of go by the wayside, people will be looking into like other ways to make income, especially from home, especially with video, especially with all the internet tools. And so they might want to hear from you if can you throw them a crumb? Do you think that there's a possibility <laughs> that without having a massive audience, what would be your guess as to what what might turn into a way to monetize that?
0: I mean, I think there is truly a niche and corner of the internet for every single interest ever. It is so, so crazy. For example, I was like super into like, you know, those chunky blankets that you can arm knit? It's just something that's so. Now I'm all. What is that? You can arm knit a blanket. Okay, go ahead. Like with this really chunky wool, and you you knit literally using your arms instead of like knitting needles because you're making like this super chunky Mm. blanket. Yeah, that's so
2: cool. Okay. Anyway,
0: so I wanted to try it, and I spent just hours on end watching all of these influencers who only make content around arm knitting. Like there is genuinely a corner of the internet and an audience for every interest and passion that people have. And another thing that I'll say is that a lot of brands are finding so much more value in just say a knitting influencer that has 10,000 fans, right? And they trust that person to be like, okay, what kind of wool do you like what needles do you use and for someone to have you know a niche audience that's maybe only ten thousand, it's still so powerful a lot of times too companies don't have the massive fees that someone like with your platform and your size would be able to afford so there's a market not only from the audience side of things but there's also the market from the brand deal and product integration side for every size of influencer
2: it's so so true It really, really is. And the engagement is what they care about. You know, if you are a micro-influencer and your community loves maple syrup, they just love it. That's what they do. And it's all about maple syrup. And there's Mm -hmm. 2,900 people, but but out of that 2,900, 1,900 of them are there consistently commenting. They're going to take that really seriously. For sure. All right. Let's talk about this amazing show that you do everything. You executive (laughs) produce and host and all that. HBO Max how did it all come to you how did it all connect how did that opportunity come together
0: so there is um an exec at Warner whose daughter was a big fan and she single-handedly pitched me as the host for this show idea that they had that
2: is the cutest answer to that question oh my god like I
0: owe every inch of craftopia to a at the time she would have been 14 or 15 year old girl stop it (laughs) she came to set a whole bunch of times whom we got to hang out and she was so cute um so essentially warner and hbo max had this concept for a show and they were in the early stages of kind of conceptualizing this show and so grace this 14 15 year old girl was like i want lord diy as the host like this is the person that needs to host this show and bring it to life so again like i love you grace you're so awesome (laughs) We love you. <laughs> and so I met with Grace's mom, the exec, and B-17, the production company. And we just brought it to life Through you know, putting together all of the challenges and the casting and finding. So season one is with kid contestants. Season two is adult contestants. And it's just been so incredible through the set design and, you know, picking judges. And it's crazy. It's crazy. And it's nothing that I've ever done or would feel as if I would be qualified to do. I mean, like, I have a university degree in literally the printing industry. Like, it is so damn irrelevant. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Tuition is cheaper in Canada. So my parents are, like, not as mad that I'm not applying it in anything I do. <laughs> not but, as mad.
2: They're, like, sitting over here constantly. Do you know who my daughter is? Do you know what my daughter does?
0: <laughs> Look at her. <laughs> no, they're they're very, 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 they're my, my number one and two fans, for sure. How but cool. Yeah, it's just something that you would never imagine that, you know, I started making videos on the internet about crafts, and eventually it led me to host and executive produce an HBO Max show. Like, that is just unheard of.
2: Don't you just feel like you're in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory on that set?
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh my god, the set designer, he's absolutely incredible it was so beyond anything that I had envisioned I remember seeing like the first round of the mock-ups and it was just I don't want to know how much it cost but like it was insane it's absolutely it, it, stunning for me it's like
2: it's just a reflection of you like I said to you when I first came on I'm like you're like this magical unicorn of like <laughs> color explosion and it's like your energy and the way you vibe and what you make and how easily you kind of just like pull things out of the air and make them happen. And it's like, it's a, it really is sort of a mirror of like your energy, which is really cool. You know, a lot of people have a feeling of like imposter syndrome that just like really keeps them stuck. And it seems to me like, no matter what, whether you're starting your YouTube channel or starting your own show on an HBO max, whatever it is, it's like this, there's like this effortlessness of like, it just runs really smooth. It just, you drop into it. And I'm just curious Did you have this thought of like, well, this is a totally different audience. Like, this is an audience that doesn't know me, right? They don't know me necessarily. I mean, some of them probably do because not everyone lives under a rock, but these are not YouTubers who are watching. These are HBO Max watchers. Like, Did you have this thought of like, how am I going to get buy-in from them right away? Or will this take off right away?
0: Yes, absolutely had imposter syndrome. I think there are just so many rooms that I've been in where I feel like an imposter. You know, I didn't work my way up in this industry in the traditional way. And so right. even, it's, even having like a lack of mentor that has done what our digital generation has done. You know what I mean? It's like it's kind of the first time yes. Seeing these types of paths being taken. So it's it's very weird. It's very weird for sure. And I think my biggest thing was, like, the executive production side of it, I think, was more natural for me because, like, a YouTube channel is basically like a little mini production studio, right? It's like, that's what we do on a day-to-day basis, just obviously on a bigger scale and get to spend HBO's money, which was great. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the biggest imposter element for me was being able to host and bring the show to life and bring the energy to it. Because again, like you said, people don't know who I am. It's a new audience. And a host is such, I think an, like when you think of someone like Ryan Seacrest or Mario Lopez, you know, it's like the professional hosts of the world. It's like, it is such an art. It is yeah. such an art. And yep. I think there are like hosting classes and seminars, right. and training that you can take. But like, I kind of just was like, yeah, like, let's do it. Like, let's let's go. Let's let's try it. And it was figuring out how to deliver sentences in different ways. And still right energy and like have conversations with kids while still, you know, making sure it's humorous for any age watching. So it it was a learning experience, but I think because it was a brand new show, everyone not had an element of imposter syndrome, but everyone was trying different things and seeing and feeling out what worked. So it kind of felt more like a group and a team activity of figuring out what we liked and what we didn't like, and so there was no point where I ever was like I feel like I'm in this by myself mm-hmm. and alone. I'm so
2: proud of the people at HBO max for like partnering up and be like, let's do it. You know, like, I think yeah. a lot of people take a risk. It's like, no, unless it's Jennifer Aniston and you know, like someone who right. everybody <laughs> knows, but they got it. I think they got your energy and they loved the idea of your vision. And were they hesitant? Were they like, all right, let's see how the first one does.
0: Or were they kind of like all in from the beginning? They were absolutely all in. And for season two as well, like they were all in. And I mean, like, that is just the biggest compliment for someone in digital to see traditional uh, execs looking to someone who's in digital to be like, what do you think? Like, how would you do this? Like, it's just so true. Yeah, that you could ever receive.
2: It's so true. And you know how many podcasts now are becoming TV shows? It's like, absolutely. It's like so cool how it's kind of like reversing the order. Like we have such a a powerful way, a tool to create things where you don't have to wait for NBC first. You go do this first and then NBC comes here, whatever it is, you know, whatever the channel, Mm -hmm. the platform, it's just so cool. And look at you paving the way for so many people who are going to be inspired by you and are inspired by you and are going to come after and walk in your footsteps. The next question I had, we have so many makers who listen to this show. And so I know they're going to really enjoy you and love your content. They probably already do. But one of the things that they come up against, which I wanted to ask you about is they'll feel a little bit of resistance around sharing the teaching aspect of the maker side, because they feel like, but I'm a maker. Like, I don't want to teach somebody how to sew. I do sew. I don't want to show somebody how to put on this makeup. I make the makeup. I make the cupcakes. Now, if I'm teaching people, does that make me less of a maker, less of an artist? And I don't see that with you, right? Like I see like the more like you've shown other people how to like come with you and make things like you've just grown more and more to me as a maker. But you are shifting from maker to teacher, to friend, to facilitator, right? Like you're wearing all those hats. You're not just purely like stitching things together and like using your glue gun, like you're doing a (laughs) lot to help bring that glue gun out of other people. Right. So how did you surrender the need to just be the maker
0: and open up to wearing those other hats? A few things come to mind. I think the first is that I found excitement and fulfillment from other forms of making, so like I still obviously love to craft. Like it's it's genuinely the only thing I'm really good at. You know what I mean? It's like crafting <laughs> and like doing DIY, like a creative problem solver. Like that is my natural gift it's the only thing I'm good at. So I I stay in my lane, but I think I've found fulfillment in making other things. So like spending time, like making my own little background, like I would never want to, you know, be an interior designer, but I had so much fun making it. And it's an, it was an element of making the content, getting to do the interior design, making the, the wall or whatever. And it still fulfilled me in the sense of I was creating and I was hands-on, but it wasn't necessarily sitting there in front of a sewing machine, you know, going to right. do, 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 do. And I think the other big part of it too is, I'm happy when my viewers are happy. And so if they really like to see the personal side of things and they like the dialogue, they like to like there's nothing more enjoyable for my viewers than to watch me fight with the sewing machine. Because that is just like the bane <laughs> of my existence. And it is 50 percent of every sewing video I've ever done. Right. And I'm still making things, but I'm happy when they're having fun in the moment when I'm struggling, I'm not having fun with the sewing machine. I'm not having fun, (laughs) but I know that in the edit and when I cut it together, that it's going to be a fun piece of content because it's real. It's authentic. That happens all the time to anyone who's ever sewed. And so when I know that I'm making something that a viewer will enjoy, that also fulfills me. And I don't think it makes me any less of a maker. It's just that, kind of the maker label, I think I've redefined and recategorized to be a bigger breadth of things.
2: And that's really it. I love the way you just said that you redefined it. I think we need to do that because ultimately, like you have energy that has the ability to flow through you in so many different ways. And you being a host Is you inspiring people in a different way? And you producing, is you creating in a different way? And it's all you facilitating yumminess. So it's like, in a way you're making energy, right? You're making energy move. You're making people feel things. And I think that that's just an important definition that it doesn't only have to come from sitting at a sewing machine.
0: I think a lot of people too, like in the digital age, find joy in the editing portion as well, or the graphic design being able to you know think about how the content is going to look after they make yeah. it, so it's kind of like the making portion of one of making whatever you're like physically actually making whether it be sewing or whatever yep. and then the making of how it's going to be presented online it's like that's yeah. another entirely separate creative process yeah happens that can be super fulfilling for someone who's interested in making
2: Yeah. And also, you know, we've had billionaires on this show like Howard Schultz who created Starbucks. And Mm -hmm. you you think about Howard Schultz or Richard Branson or Elon Musk or Mark Cuban, I'd say they're damn creative, like just having a business and making choices and, and sitting in meetings and coming up with creative, innovative solutions to things like it's all being a maker. Think of it. You know, it's like, I think we just have to open ourselves up to something greater. So I love that you're continuing to redefine it for people because I think that's another really cool piece of being a crafter is all the ways that your craft, you know, touches the world. All right. So now the newest thing or one of the newest things that you're doing that you're creating is a podcast and you're doing it with Jeremy. Yeah.
0: So what made you want to do Wild Till Nine? So we started the podcast to really have just like more organic and authentic conversations tailored towards the older side of my audience. I've kind of been in a transition period for the last couple years of acting like a 27-year-old and not censoring myself out. And I think the podcast, it's, it's something that takes time on YouTube and on Instagram and on TikTok to get people used to the idea of like, here's who you thought I was before, but here's who I am now. You know what I mean? Like growth is something that people have trouble accepting and I've accepted it, but a lot of the times it's met with, you know, criticism or frustration that people don't see you the way that they used to. But starting a new platform like podcasting, something that we've never done before, it was kind of a fresh start to... Yeah. Introduce new conversations, things that would also absolutely get demonetized in seconds on YouTube. And we're able to just have very candid, long form conversations that, again, are tailored towards that older audience.
2: I love that. And I think this is really such a rite of passage for you. I mean, think about artists who've been around, like Taylor Swift, right? Look at the journey that she's been on. And she's just grown up like a human being does right like exactly (laughs) right so her music now is very different than it was when she started you know it sounds different it all of it the sound the vibe the production right and maybe she shed a part of her audience, but maybe a lot of those people stayed with her and maybe she grew an even, you know, a different audience, but she right. stayed true to herself. Mm-hmm. Um, Miley Cyrus. Because I, her
0: meant, I feel like she felt like she needed to do something that was so disruptive to how right. people viewed her to set herself free. And I respect that. I, I think that because I make so much content, I was able to do a slower transition, but mm-hmm. I absolutely understand her thought process there.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, we would just, we're talking about Matthew McConaughey because he was here. He was talking about Dallas Buyers Club because nobody wanted him to be that in that movie. They wanted him to do one rom-com after another. And he was so tired of it. He was just yeah, like, I cannot do another script like that. I just want to grow up and be myself. And so he made that movie. And what happened? He actually Incredible. won the Oscar. So I'm so proud of you. And I think that you're going to just find a richer and deeper relationship with your audience and a new audience. So what are you hoping? Tell us about this show. What's some of the juiciness that you guys like get into? And what are you hoping that people walk away knowing more about you from listening?
0: So we have about a 96% female audience. That's high. That's high. That's really high. Um, Because it's very much relationship and millennial growth, lifestyle, sex, um, just in our personal experiences, Jeremy and I come from two very different backgrounds. He's a year older, but went to college in Kentucky and is from just the side of Chicago. I'm Canadian. So it's like we have very polarizing opposite backgrounds of where we come from. So our opinions and our, just like our stories are so widespread. And I think it's also interesting to hear. Even for me, like we still, we've been together for two years and he'll share a story on the podcast that I've never heard before. So not only is it just like interesting for our relationship as well to like communicate on a deeper level and tell funny stories about our past that might not have ever come up in any other conversation. um, But I think the main takeaway is normalizing the different struggles and just like things that happens when you're in your 20s and you're dating and you know, someone ghosts you or you have a one night stand or like, Is it okay to watch porn in a relationship? Like just the things that might've been too taboo that your parents never talked to you about, that maybe your friends feel uncomfortable talking about. And we just love being able to have a natural open conversation that is so candid and normalizes all of those things that make people sometimes feel awkward. It might not be for everyone, but... The feedback that we've gotten just from people who can relate and have had similar experiences or share, you know, something that might have happened that's similar that we learn from, honestly, all the time is just so incredible. Like, it's such, again, like a deeper connection, being able to talk about things that have gone wrong in past relationships, communication styles, being intimate during COVID. Like, there's just Mm. so much that everyone goes through on a day-to-day basis, but it gets kind of put in the corner because it feels taboo to talk about.
2: Good for you. So cool. So cool that you're doing that. it's going to like pave such a cool future for you because you're you're not going to pretend to not be yourself. And that's just so awesome. So that when you're 37, my God, you're just like in alignment, you know, you're just you. And that's really, really important that you made these decisions along the way. You're so smart about it. So I'm just curious from the perspective of someone who's such a massive digital content creator, Mm -hmm. how do you compare podcasting to YouTubing? What are you starting to notice about the differences? It's a different pool, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's not the same medium in lots of ways. So what are you noticing about the two different versions of digital creation?
0: I mean, it's, honestly mostly positive i think the first things that i really um recognized were when someone and this is how i consume content as well when i listen to a podcast like i'm in it for the long run it's like when i feel like just you know flipping through tiktok and watching five seconds and five seconds and five seconds of content it's like you're in a mood for that but when you listen to a podcast it's like i'm taking my dog on a walk that i know is going to be about 45 minutes and so it's interesting to see that there's intent behind the viewer's actions, I guess, to choose to listen. Like I think our average duration is like 36 minutes or something. And it, it's so interesting to see how long people are actually willing to listen to you, which I mean, you know, and <laughs> at the end of the day is so nice. It's so flattering. Like we are so happy to have people stay for that long. I think there's so many pieces of content now that shape our attention span to be so short. And so I think there was a side of me that was like, oh my God, like, will people listen to an hour-long podcast? Like, that's so long. That's like a majority of a movie. Like, that's so long to dedicate and choose to spend that much time with one creator, especially when there's that much content to choose from on the internet. So I think that was the first thing. And then the second portion of it, like the biggest thing that I noticed was... It's interesting and just different, like on the landscape of podcasts, that there are so many different streaming platforms. And so we do a video component as well on YouTube. So it was interesting to see that people have preferences as well to either watch with or without video. And so, like, when you upload a YouTube video, it's like you have your view count, and that's directly from that one piece of content. But when you have like your overall impressions and views and downloads from a podcast, it comes from 10 different places and so it's such a process to kind of be like oh well that didn't perform very well on youtube i was like oh but like our downloads on spotify are great and like oh people want to see the podcast on you know a super small podcast player so it's like okay let's make it available there as well so it's interesting to see when there's more access to it i guess um that again there's just like intention behind how people want to consume the content
2: That's really, really interesting. And I'm just curious, since you've been such an absolute success in the video space, what so far has been the vote from the audience? Do you find that more people prefer watching the video podcast or listening to the audio?
0: I actually think that this is something that will change if, you know, the world ever goes back to normal and people are commuting to work. I think our audio listeners, I think that'll increase once people are spending more time in the car commuting. But right now, I think the overall consensus is that people really love seeing our facial reactions to the conversations that we're having we're always laughing and i think people like to visually see that as well you know it's just an added layer of the content that you're providing someone is giving it a video element as well we're in the process of flipping like the podcast background and so i think people like when you know there's something that's aesthetically pleasing they like when the dog walks in you know there's so much more stimulation, I think, when there's video as well. It's just, like, a very robust experience. And, you know, whether someone just carries their phone around in their pocket while they're cleaning and they're still, you know, they're going back and forth between watching and just, like, listening. I think, um, yeah, the overall consensus is that people still really like the YouTube. And I think that also might be because I started on YouTube. So I might have a higher, you know, YouTube audience then just audio versus I'm sure for you, you have a very, very high audio version just of it.
2: What you said before, I think is really cool for people to hear. And you said it so well. You're so smart. I can't believe you're 27 because you have the wisdom of someone who's like, you know, 107. Thank you. <laughs> but it's so true what you said. When somebody is choosing to sit with you for that long, they're self-identifying as a different kind of consumer, a different kind of audience member. They're in it for something longer than five seconds or three minutes. They're really in it with you for 36 minutes. That says something and that starts to create a deeper intimacy. And I'm really excited for you to see what that deeper intimacy, even if it's smaller at first than everything else you've done. I wonder how that depth of that connection with people who want to sit there for 40 minutes almost. Mm -hmm is gonna turn into something new and exciting again. And I have no doubt that you'll just keep getting these awesome, new, exciting surprises. So tell us where we can find the show, the YouTube, where do you wanna send us? Tell us where we can find the podcasts, all of it.
0: For sure. Um, so the podcast wild till nine is on all streaming platforms and YouTube. Um, and then Lord DIY everywhere else on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, everything. Oh my God, there's too, too many, too many social platforms now. So your platform of choice, is just Lord DIY.
2: You're such a great interview lawyer. You're like so smart and so fun and so humble. And it was oh my such God. a pleasure.
0: Thank you so this is so fun. Thank you for having me that was so
2: fun to talk to Lauren. Okay. Here are the takeaways. Number one, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Put yourself on different platforms that make sense to your brand. Number two, be authentic, be yourself. You're not doing anyone a favor when you pretend. Number three, listen to your audience, create an open conversation wherever it's possible. Social media is a valuable tool so you can learn exactly what your audience wants. Number four, don't suck the personality out of your content by trying to be perfect. Show them the blooper reel. Number five, there's a niche and corner of the internet for every single interest and passion. Number six, making something that your audience will enjoy doesn't make you any less of a maker. You can redefine yourself to a bigger breadth of things. Number seven, your audience is in it for the long run. Bring them along the journey for your growth and transitions. Guys, if you haven't jumped in on this amazing Black Friday, Cyber Monday offer, $1. $1. You need to go over. Now that you finish this episode, this is the last day that this is going to be around $1. This is normally $97 a month. It's now $1. You can cancel at any time. It's a month-to-month membership. $1. You get to join the Arrive Community. Go to kathyhellercom slash Arrive Community today before midnight I will be going live in there tomorrow. I cannot wait to be coaching you this month and seeing where this will lead. There is no good excuse not to join us for $1. You are definitely gonna get your money's worth and way, way more. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know that there's so much going on and it means the world that you're here. We have so many awesome episodes coming up. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen because it is completely free as always to subscribe. And I wanna ask you one last thing. Did you like this episode? Did you learn anything new? that sort of shed some possibility on what your future might look like? And can you think of one person who would benefit from hearing this? If so, go email that person send them the link to the episode, text them the link or post about it on Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller on Instagram so I can repost it. And by the way, why don't you get your friend in on the arrive membership too for $1? Let's go bring all your friends in it and do it with your best girls and say like, let's just do this thing we've been saying to do and you guys can motivate each other and end this year strong and begin 2021 with yourself doing the work you were meant to do. Go to kathyheller.com slash arrived community. I'll leave you with a song. I'll talk to you on Thursday. I love you guys. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.
1: So many times I-